Alright, so this is episode one of what hopefully will be a fun journey for for us and for you, our listeners. This little project that uh, me and Poops McKenzie have decided to uh, to put together here. How's it going, Poops? That's pretty good. I'm excited to uh, embark on this uh, great adventure with you. <laughs> yeah, so we did uh, a Beyond the Handle podcast about... Two two and a half weeks ago, yep. And it was like it was like giving you a little dose of crack for free, you know, trying to get you hooked. Yes, trying to convince you to to, to finally sit down and, and and do a podcast just just you and me, and and hopefully down the road some some fun guests. But we we tend to shoot the shit every uh, you know usually about once a week when you're able yep. to uh, when you're able to 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 escape the home. Yep. You know, I'm I'm always free because I have no life. So, <laughs> so anyways, we, we thought we we're gonna, we we're gonna give it a shot to kind of do some of our shooting of the shit here on, uh, on the air for, for people out there that, that, that want to listen and want to make fun of us. So this is a show that we've decided to call the Mezzanine Sleepover. Yeah. And there's a lot of shit to be, uh, shot. Of course. <laughs> like a lot of shit to be shot. So, <laughs> so, uh, this uh, this should be a a, a, a good time. <laughs> so, the mezzanine sleepover. Do you wanna do you wanna talk about why we decided to give it this name? Because there is a there is a backstory to this oh, name. It's, it's very it's very interesting story. Um, well, uh, I'm gonna just I'm gonna assume that um, you know everything that I that we say, and this is kind of new information, and you know you could always go listen to that that interview. Yep. Um, on beyond the handle, uh, the episode one is up. Uh, I guess episode two will be coming. Uh, part two will be coming out soon. Um, but we do touch on some of our shenanigans at the University of Winnipeg. Um, one of them being that um, one uh, back. I can't even remember when it was. It was probably 1997. It was it probably was, it was April, April, April 97. Yep. Uh, was it during reading week or something? No, it, no, it was, wasn't. It was during final exams. During oh, so it was during finals week. I wouldn't know because I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I didn't take finals in 1997. <laughs> I d- effectively dropped out of school. Well, what what happened? I'll I'll, I'll kind of get you started here. So it was finals week, April of 1997, yes. and what happened was the University of Winnipeg opens up the student center for 24 hours, and so there, it's open all day and all night for, I don't know, a week or something like that, and it's called 24-Hour Study Hall. Yes. But of course, you and me and uh, a small group of our friends decided we weren't going to use the 24-hour study hall for studying. We were going to use it for hanging out in shenanigans. Yes, having a sleepover, <laughs> which was a fantastic idea. And this was prior to about April twentieth, because uh, we, we, as it, as some people might not know, we had a um, a backyard wrestling federation at the time that we just started, and uh, uh, there was there was about five or six of us that were yeah. um, kind of the main guys, and uh, we had done a whole bunch of like events that we had videotaped uh, at the university, and so we uh, decided to have this sleepover and. Um, we were going to stay at the university all night. And um, at the Bullman Student Center, for for those who haven't been there or people who have been there and need their memory jogged, um, you know, the, the main level is connected to the university. And then there is a, um, you know, there's the uh, there's the, the cafeteria up top. And then there's, what, a four-story drop down to the, yeah. down to the, bo- down to the bottom of the student center that um, you can, you can see from, from the, uh, from a kind of, it's like a, a balcony looking down in the middle of the student center is kind of a, a cluster of offices right in the middle. And on top of those cluster of offices is like a mezzanine level 
that has two catwalks across to the to the surrounding offices around things like you know the the uniter was located there and 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 uh probably i don't know there's a hallway to the other part of the school and some lockers lockers yeah stuff like that yeah so so on the top of this cluster of offices was the mezzanine and the mezzanine had you know um the, the 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 chair the chairs and the cushions and all these things that we used to use for wrestling ring and uh so what we decided to do is we, we we'd go and we'd have a sleepover and uh we brought like a <laughs> computer to play <laughs> NHL 97 on the PC like we brought an actual like workstation full, full PC yeah the, the tower yeah the uh, monitor and in those days it's like the full size like television <laughs> giant monitor that, yeah. that that comes in uh, because we were going to have an NHL 97 tournament. Yes. Um, we had a table and we put blankets over it to make a fort. Yes. <laughs> these were, these were university students. Yeah. We, 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 we dressed down in our, it wasn't pajamas, but like, no. you know, we, uh, we had the old shorts and the t-shirts yeah, on, you know, we went, yeah, we went over to 7-Eleven, got some Chester fried. And, yeah. uh, you know, some, some, some chicken and some chesticles. Yep. And, uh, and we just went from there and we caused an utter disturbance to everybody. Yeah, anyway. Obviously. <laughs> we were like wrestling teddy bears, you know, kind of having, I have, you know, I, I remember at one point I, 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 I gotten sick and I, I, I threw up in a garbage can. <laughs> Uh, By the way, we weren't, I, uh, there was we no weren't drinking. drinking. There was no drinking involved. <laughs> I just, I got sick. I tended to get sick a lot um, in, in, in my younger days. Like an infant. Well, yeah, like it was like a nervous stomach, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we had that and just a ridiculous time. So it's always kind of been this thing, I guess, that, you know, when we say mezzanine sleepover, or as we called it back then, the mezzanine raw. Yep. Because, you know, like Monday Night Raw, um, we would, we would kind of talk about all oh, the mezzanine raw or the mezzanine sleepover and so when you mentioned that i believe you did a um like a a uh like a mix online or, or you do one of your one of your one of your one of your live casts yeah live speaker live cast yeah. i called it the mezzanine, mezzanine sleepover. sleepover and you had this teddy bear as the as the image which was ralph the teddy which is <laughs> our friend lauren had brought his teddy bear as you know kind of a rib right that he brought this teddy bear that we ended up like wrestling with and and so that was ralph the teddy in the mezzanine sleepover and um so now we've uh, continued it on because we can't let go of the past no this is ever 18, 18 years ago now yes. over 18 years ago yeah, yeah and yet here we are you know, in our late thirties, still, yes. still living those days. Oh yeah, and we'll tell you all about it. Yeah, all about it. Of course. Um, so, if you have heard some of my podcast before, called Beyond the Handle, um, there I actually don't talk a lot about myself, or I at least try not to, because I bring on different guests from around Twitter to to speak. But I'm Alan. And on Twitter, you can find my handle, which is slip, slip with five eyes, or slip. Exactly. And, and the origins of that name are still secretive until I decide to reveal them. Yes. My boy Poops here. Yep. You're, uh, we went to school together. We grew up in yep. San Vitell. Shenanigans for, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you kind of, you know, you've, you've, you have the family life. I have the, Kind of the boring bachelor life at, yeah. this, po- at this point. The, the guy that travels and kind of and <laughs> does whatever he wants, whatever people, he wants. People think I have this like, oh, he travels all the time and sees everything. 48 weeks of the year, I'm sitting at home in my gitch watching, uh, watching oh, that DVDs. That sounds pretty good sometimes though. So, sitting so in your you gitch know. sounds pretty, sounds pretty awesome. Uh, so anyways, yeah, we're kind of both, you know, I'd like to think that we amuse people on Twitter, but we're all both kind of dicks too. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how much I amuse people, as I more make people mad. Um, 
if if you want more information on on that, you can listen to the to the Beyond the Handle podcast where I, you know, talk at length about you know my Twitter persona. Um, I we won't get into that here, but um, yeah, that's. And the show is really, this show is really just us shooting the shit. Yes. Honestly, like, we're going to talk about topics that are interesting to us. So, if that means that in the end, the only two people that listen to the show are, are the two of us, then then so be it. But hopefully we cross upon enough topics of discussion that uh, that there'll be some interest mm-hmm. out there. So, some things that, that we, you know, we'll probably talk about over the course of our shows are music's a big one, sports, any shit that's kind of drama on Twitter or in the city, we're probably going to... We're gonna to touch upon. We're gonna talk about pro wrestling. Yes, we're gonna talk. We're gonna to try to do some reviews of yep. you know different different parts of I, I guess again growing up. So hopefully a jog down memory lane for oh, some yes, of you out as there. As always, you know. So Saint Vitel, really? Yeah. If you're from Saint Vitel, you'll probably enjoy this podcast. Yeah, we'll probably tell stories <laughs> about if you went to CJS with us. You might, <laughs> you know, again for all the people that we've kept in touch with. Yes, all those people. You know, this is I. I like to. I liken this to you know when we did we did a, a lot of backyard wrestling, and um, you know we were. It was always like, wow, you know, you were always doing something with the fans in mind. Of course, there were no fans, but in our minds, there was always fans. There's always going to be somebody out there to reach out to. So I'm treating this kind of like that. Um, you know, there may be only like two or three people, but this one's for you. And I, in my mind, there's a great many of you. Yes, uh, hopefully. And, and hopefully down the road as well. You know, this is a show about shooting the shit. So, you know, we've got four mics here. We're doing this with two of us, but hopefully some people will be brave enough to, to come join us because I think we're at our best when we're telling stupid, ridiculous stories to somebody that's in the room that hasn't been through them and can kind of look at us like, what the fuck is going yeah, on? Yeah, kind of react off it. Or, you know, maybe we'll get Kid Tetris in here again because that was, that's always a good one. Kid Tetris, the, uh, the, the, the Winnipeg legend himself. So, you know, maybe one of those times, bring him back. Yeah. So anyways, so enough talking about, about what could happen. Enough about us. Let's, let's get into the, the stuff. And, All right. and, and to start us off with yeah. something that I think has gotten you rather heated or yes. riled up here. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we've got this endless thing that, that's happening here in, in this city. Even though we have an NHL team, we've had it for four years. They've come back. The team is doing well. It should be a happy ending and this story should be over. But we just can't let go of the one that got away. So these fucking Arizona Coyotes. Ugh. Every time that there is some sort of drama with them down there in Phoenix, the the glee and just the obsession that we have here in the city over what happens with that franchise is just nonstop. It is. It's it's uh oh it's it's utterly baffling to me. Um, it, it starts from a media level and right down to the, to the, to the fans. And I, I just don't understand it. Uh, I've been, I've been thinking about this for a few days now and I, I had a few, dropped a few little things on Twitter about it. Nothing, no big deal. Had not a lot of, uh, didn't get a lot of reaction from it, but you know, I, I'm struggling to understand and, and maybe this is just me, but you know, I was 19. I wasn't even 19 yet when, when, when the, when the original Jets, Packed up and left. And you know, it, it was, it was, uh, it was one of those times where you were kind of sad and it was, it was, it was a, um, it was a, uh, a tough time to be a hockey fan in this city. I was a, uh, I was probably, well, okay, I, I was 19, I was 18 when the, when the final game was played. I was, I was 19 when they did leave. But, um, you know, I, I don't remember it taking me that long to get over it. Because, you know, kind of life goes on. I mean, sports is sports and it's entertainment and you, you, you have the buy-in. 
I probably got over it. I never really liked the Phoenix slash Arizona Coyotes. I never, I probably cheered against them, you know, uh, in my own way. But yeah, I don't, I don't get that we are now here almost 20 years gone and we're still talking about it. Like you said, after the, after we have now done the exact same thing to another city and gotten a, a franchise, uh, in Winnipeg at the expense of someone else. And we're still, you know, lurking around, you know, waiting to pick the bones of a, another franchise that's in trouble. Now, you know, we can talk about everything that's gone on and people are st- still bitter, which makes no sense to me. Uh, I had a discussion with somebody a few months ago about, oh, I, I, we're still bitter. And I thought, well, why? Why are you still bitter? And I, my theory is this, and I'm just going to say this, and I could go on and on and on. We could do a whole podcast on this. <laughs> my theory is this, is that I believe that the if you are still that interested and that obsessed over the Arizona Coyotes and where they're going and what's happening and where they should go and franchise history and who's the top, you know, who are the top scorers in franchise history and, it, you know, that belongs here and all this stuff. I believe in my mind and it, that you you, your heart still lies with that franchise. That you are not fully bought into this Jets team. You're not. So you can walk around, and this is a message to everybody who's, who's like that. And there's, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, again, like I said, it starts with members of the media. It goes from the guys on 1290 who talk about it endlessly to down to the people that I see every day on Twitter and uh, people that I talk to. If you are still, if it still bothers you and you're still bitter, and you're still keeping your eye on the Arizona Coyotes. We know where your loyalty really lies. We know it. You, you don't you, go Jets go. You love the Jets. Yeah, I don't know. I not I don't buy it. You are still, you know, you you say you oh you hate the Coyotes. Yeah, you kind of don't. You kind of still love them. And you I, wish and you wish that this team that is in this city now was the was the team coming back that was here before deep down inside you wish that and you probably in a second would would ditch this team that 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 is here right now in its current incarnation the former atlanta thrashers that are now the winnipeg jets version 2.0 or the fake jets or whatever you want to call it you would ditch them in a second so here's my take on this thing there's there's been this myth that i think has has grown over the years and There are elements of truth to it for sure, but the legend I think has far surpassed reality. Okay. So this, this old team that was in the city, it, it was a team that people liked. Some people loved. Obviously they were sports fans, but this team did not have the crazy universal support that this new Jets franchise has. Now, don't get me wrong. This, current NHL Jets franchise that we have in the city now obviously sold out every game people will pay the the highest ticket price in the league the highest concession price in the league the team has only had one playoff uh, run so far and people are still packing the building you see Jets all over the city this team is this team is here to stay and people are obviously 100% invested it's it's a success that's not what the old Jets were not at all no just as an example I just pulled up From HockeyDatabase.com. The attendance figures. This is the average attendance of this old team over the course of their time that was here. This is in a 15,000-seat arena. Yep. 
This is for a ticket that even when you take into account inflation and all that bullshit, this was a cheap ticket. You know, you could pick up a ticket for $10 back in in probably the mid-90s. Yeah. These are Florida or, Panther ticket price numbers. You know, yeah. so again, it's not like, well, we couldn't afford it at the time. We could afford it more then than we can afford the ticket prices now. There was yeah. no there was no $200 seat to, uh, to see the old Winnipeg Jets in that arena, right? Nope. So we look over the attendance numbers again in a 15,000-seat arena, just to read some over the last five years. 12931 13550 13130 13012 in the last season the the dead duck season 11316 so you know 1992-93 for example that's the team Mussolini rookie year yeah that team was a playoff team that was a 76 goal season and they were there were 1500 seats open in the arena on average over the course of the season Oh yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, this, this is a real interesting, um, study. If you were to, if you were to look at it, be like, where were the people? If they were so beloved, where were they? I remember those days. Yeah. I remember being here. I remember it, the, the, the Jets were the Jets. They were a, you know, a, a middling team that, uh, you know, had, you know, moderate success in some years and, and almost none in most. And, uh, you know, the, the the revisionist history it's that just, goes with this team is is uh, is astounding to me that we forget that uh, this was not some wildly popular um, you know cornerstone franchise. It wasn't. I think that this was a case where people only realized at the very end what they were going to be losing. You know, you get to the very end, and then the people are pouring out into the streets, and there's the Save Our Jets campaign. But yep. again. It doesn't look like it had the support of people going in the arena. It didn't have the support to build a new arena. Now, even if we'd done all that stuff at that time in 1996, uh, the economics of the league, the Canadian dollar, all of those pieces, this team is probably hauling ass anyways. Yep. But we talk about, again, uh, remembering how this team was supported at the very end. So it's like, okay, I've neglected my girlfriend for years now she's decided to leave me and now I'm fighting to, to bring yeah, her back is, is basically true. what it is. So I can sit there and say I treated her well for the whole time, but I didn't. I know <laughs> at the end I kind of realized what I was going to miss. And now I've got a new girlfriend and I don't, I don't neglect her. I realize what I've missed, but I secretly still pine for the one that but, got away. Exactly. And you know, I want to add to that is that when it comes to the, the original jets, like I don't hold. When, when I think about it, I don't sit there and I'm like, well, fucking Winnipeg, that's terrible. You know, this, the, this was a, um, a, a, a franchise that came in, uh, to, to the, to the NHL in what, 1979, uh, as part of the four team expansion. And, you know, at that time, when they were in the WHA, in the WHA, they were, they were quite successful. They were quite popular, um, because it was a different league. And, uh, you know, NHL starved, uh, fans who had, didn't see any NHL in, in this city were, were, were excited to support the team. Um, and it was a big success. The team then got, uh, got, uh, um, kind of, uh, brought into the, it got sucked into the NHL, lost, you know, most of its roster. And, uh, and now you had a generation of fans like our fathers who already had teams they liked. They already had teams like you think if I, my dad's favorite team was not the Winnipeg Jets. My dad's favorite team is the Detroit Red Wings. Same with mine. My dad loved Gordie Howe and he loved the Red Wings and he mm-hmm. still does. And, you know, this team was kind of like their secondary team. So this is why, uh, in, in the building during those years, it was like filled with Leafs fans and Canadians fans. 
by the time our generation kind of got into a position of any kind of buying power, like the team was gone. Team was gone. So what we have is we have, I could, I wasn't buying tickets in the eighties. You know, my dad would have been buying tickets. So I get it to a point, but let's not forget. Let's just not forget that this was, you know, let's, let's not change history just because we don't like it. It is what it is. I've always felt to embrace the, the Jets as they are now involves buying in and embracing them as, as your team. And that's, you can do it in any way that you see fit, but also just to remember, that a the, the this is not the original Jets. They're not the same team. They don't have the same franchise history. This team used to be the Atlanta Thrashers. Accept it and move on. And if you don't, and you still are thinking about the Arizona Coyotes, and you still have, you know, you still have them on your mind, chances are you haven't got over it. You, you just haven't. Pick up a jersey before they go. You know, and cheer for your cheer for your your true love. I, I agree. I agree. You know, <laughs> um, one one last comment on that before we move on. This is obviously not going to happen, but I thought to myself, you know, we could have a solution to all this uh, team history problem if, you know, if, if the Arizona Coyotes end up having to move, then all you need to do is move them here, we move our Jets to Denver, and we move the Denver team, the Colorado Avalanche, back to Quebec. Oh, perfect. And then we reestablish all yeah. the lineage of all yes. those players. Yes, and I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure the Colorado Avalanche and their fans would just love that. That, that being said. So, <laughs> pretend they didn't win two Stanley Cups. That you being know? said, though, I, I love the idea that at some point in time, I might be able to say that the leading scorer in Quebec Nordique's history is Dale Howardchuk. Oh yeah, no, I look forward to that. And the thing is, is that if you just embrace it as a thing, as a weird thing about professional sports, and just enjoy it, because who gives a shit about the the, his, the, the history? Not not who gives a shit about the history, but who cares about the, the the scoring numbers? Yeah, you know, like so, Ilya Kovalchuk is the um is the is the leader in franchise points for the Winnipeg Jets. It's it's just what it is. It doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that Timo Solani and Dale Howardchuk didn't play here and you didn't go and you didn't enjoy them. But as far as the NHL is concerned, those players are part of what is now the Phoenix Coyotes lineage. Yeah. And, you know, people don't like that the Phoenix Coyotes, you know, they, or well, they're, it, when they were called the Phoenix Coyotes, honored Dale Howardchuk's number and Bobby Hull. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. They do it. They did it. They did it as probably a gimmick. And it just doesn't matter. By the way, what an honorable trio. It's Bobby Hall, Thomas Steen, and Dale Howardchuk. So we've got two out of three that have... Eh, oh, yeah, no, agreed. Questionable uh, domestic activity. The, the the Bobby Hall thing is a whole other podcast. Yes, it is. You know, when we're talking about the number nine and, and Winnipeg and its history, you know. Um, I, one, one My last point, I guess, would be... You know, just l- let it go. Don't worry so much about the semantics and the numbers. If you really, really want to support the Winnipeg Jets, you'll just, 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 you'll just stop. Just let the Arizona Coyotes do what they're going to do. Cause chances are they're going to move into another arena. They're going to move downtown Phoenix and they're going to play there for a few years and this is going to happen again. And it just doesn't matter. They're not going to end up in Quebec, probably. They're probably going to end up somewhere else if they move. They're not going to move them into the Eastern Conference. Uh, it's, it's, they're, they're, people want to grow the game of hockey, whether people in Canada like it or not. In the States, the NHL wants to grow the game of hockey. It's important for them to grow the game. Now, you may not think that they're growing the game in Florida or Tampa or, but they want to grow the game, and that's that's how you make... I'm reading a book right now about the history of the NHL, and always on the minds of the owners were, where can we expand that we can grow the game? 
back in like the the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the thought about where they were going to expand, that to expand into into markets in Canada and to move en masse into Canada didn't do anything for the game because there's it's it's a finite amount of people. In the states there's so many more. You can grow that game. They want to become they don't want to just sit there and have the NHL positioned as the fourth you know, um, the fourth of four major sports and or even less than that, as they are in some cases. And, uh, you know, they don't want that. They want to expand. And so th- so the way to do that is to keep strong in certain markets. The the um, the other thing is that, you know, the L.A. Kings were not a strong franchise from about 1967 to 1989 they were a weak franchise people didn't give a shit about the team they had ugly jerseys no celebrities went to the game no one cared about the los angeles kings they could have easily just picked up and moved them and in fact they had a team in oakland that they moved so it was not going well you could say in california then the gretzky trade happens and now there are three teams that do well yep you know again Oh, they don't do like they do in Canada. Okay, fine, but they're but they are they're probably money making franchises. All of them, all of them are, and, and outside of Anaheim, I mean, San Jose and, and LA are quite strong franchises. You, you have more people that live in California than you do in Canada. Yeah, so brainer. So if you're trying to grow the game right, like, yeah, I want to see another team in Canada too because I like seeing buildings where people are excited and there are good rivalries, etc. Right, but. Your gains as a league are so much smaller because you've already got those people. Yeah. You know, it's bringing in new fans that grows your product. And it has been a struggle in some markets. But, you know, this whole Arizona Coyotes thing, I mean, at this point, it's ridiculous. The team should up and go. It's not working. It hasn't for a while. And it's in very bad shape. But that's not to say that it was a terrible decision to make the attempt. It really wasn't. No, they had a buyer. So wanted to move them there. They moved them there and buy... Come hell or high water, they've been there for almost 20 years, and they've survived a lot. And, uh, you know, who am I to tell uh, Arizona Coyotes fans where their team should be moving to? It's just not my business. Yeah. It's not. You know, I you know I specialize in telling Winnipeg Jets fans where it's at, and that's just where I'm, where I'm going to stay. And by the way, giving shit to Arizona Coyotes fans, like, I understand if you're like, you know, well, screw the people that didn't give a shit about the team. But the ones that you end up giving shit to... Are the fucking fans, the people that actually care about your game and yep. about your product. So we talk about on uh, one side of our mouth, oh, love us, love our sport. Hockey is the greatest. And then when there are legitimate fans and yeah. they're cheering for a franchise that just can't get enough support, it's those people that we shit on. Yeah. We, we, hockey fans eat their own, especially when it comes to American hockey fans. Canadian hockey fans eat their own. It's like we don't want them to be fans. We just want to, you know, kind of lord the superiority of, 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 I don't even know what it is. I don't even know what the superiority is. Is it that we pay the most for tickets? Because that's not really something I would brag about, that we have to pay more than anybody else to see the games. That's just kind of, that sucks, man. It's, yeah. just, it's just the way it is, but it's, it's like not you, like it's a source of pride. It's like, imagine if you could go to a Jets game and the ticket was $20. Well, yeah. I mean, and, you, it's, and it's the same thing that you go to now. I know. Yeah. Hey, I, you, you could have done that, you know, 20 years ago, but, you know, <laughs> only only 11,000 people were going. All right, All right let's, let's move on. Let's talk about something fun. So this is going to be a reoccurring segment, and this is our review section of the show. And what we're going to review is going to differ. It might be television. It might be an album. It might be a wrestling event. Ooh, it might be yes. a movie. It's gonna it's gonna vary from week to week, and we're gonna rotate in terms of who picks. And this week, um, unfortunately for you, poops, I got to make the choice. Uh, so 
with the announcement that came over the last week that Degrassi, the next generation, was ending its run, and and for a brief period of time, seemed to be over, though it has been now resurrected as a Netflix show. Yes, it has. You know, I like the the new one. I, I you know, though they're you know they're both corny, like the old one and the new one. Yeah. But of course, my heart rests with the old one. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my first like famous live tweet runs on Twitter was live tweeting the whole Degrassi series, which probably lost me like fifty followers. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the show. I, yeah. I love the original Degrassi. So I decided to pick an episode from the original run of Degrassi Junior High. Oh yes. This is episode seven. And oh, here we go. This this show aired on March first, nineteen eighty seven on the CBC. And it was a show that's tailored towards kids, you know? Yeah. Teens, preteens and teens. Yeah. And at the time that's what I was. Now okay, you were eight. I was nine when this aired. Yeah. Yes. And I actually probably didn't see this one until a couple of years later, but I was still like 10, 11. It was, yeah. I was, I was young. I don't, I don't remember seeing this when it happened. So, um, but I, I have seen this show and, and you know, you, I, I was actually very interested that you picked this. And, and when I, when I, when I saw the synopsis, I was like, Oh, yeah, this will be good. Um, cause this is, this is actually a classic. So this has a fantastic title. It's called Best Laid Plans. <laughs> and this is the episode for those of you that may or may remember where, Wheels is going to take Stephanie out on a date, and there's talk around the school that they're going to do it. Yes, and that's the whole premise of the show. Yes. So, anyways, let's let's. It does, uh, it does have. A, it also has a very uh, tasty, uh, s- like s- secondary story. As of well. course, which which revolves around the first one. This is actually brilliant, brilliant writing, as far as I'm concerned. So, Stephanie K is this. They're they're all in grade eight. They're they're thirteen, fourteen years old. Yeah. At at this point in time, Stephanie K is one of the original main characters of the show. Yeah. She's this girl who, you know, when she's at home, is you know kind of a good in school kind of you know dresses down, relatively conservative, and then she goes to school and she dresses as at one point when her mom catches her like a tramp. Yes. <laughs> when she goes to school, these fucking outfits that she wore. Oh, I know. It was like there's. There's no way that's allowed. There's no way that, that that's that any school allows that, even in the eighties. Well, I was making notes on this when I was watching, and I and, and my my first note on this was that I couldn't I couldn't believe what she was wearing, and I thought I looked up the actress, and I was and, and you know uh, she, I couldn't believe that this actress was fourteen at the time, playing a fourteen year old. So she was playing her age and yeah. was wearing that stuff. And I now I look at it, I'm like, oh my god, it was it was it was like oh, yeah. I, I can't even I I can't even. Because I'm old, I can't even make a comment on it's, it. it. Yeah, yeah, but that, it was, I, I mean, I liked it a lot when I was younger. I, I recall, like when I when I would watch reruns, I was like Stephanie K. You know, it was like she was it yeah. when I was when I would when I when we would talk about it as friends um, with my friends and stuff. And you know, Stephanie K. was you know that that was that was the uh, that was the girl. Yeah, and it was those outfits, but now I look at it now, I'm like, oh my god! And like, there's I, no way, there's no way that shit flies these days. It can't. So, so she's infatuated with Wheels. Yes. Wheels, who's played by Neil Hope, who actually in, in real life passed away about five or six years ago. Yeah. I don't and know and no knew one that. knew for a few years yeah, that, he, for, that he had died and his family didn't even know, right? Yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, it kind of came out like five years later. It's like, oh, he's been dead for, for five years. But he, but Wheels is kind of like, he doesn't have a full out mullet, but he's got kind of that mullet cut. 
Yeah. You know, well, and, you know, this is early. Yeah. So Wheels is not quite as um, kind of skeevy looking as he would in later <laughs> years with the big mullet and the glasses. He's actually quite like a little handsome little guy. <laughs> well, handsome as you describe him. But there were just so many references to... He's so sexy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Everybody, you know, he's so sexy. Uh, he's so cute. The girls just don't stop. It's just cute and sexy for, for a long, long time. Well, you know, I'd like to, if we, could, if we go back right to the beginning and, 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 and right out of the gate in this episode, this, this kind of sets the tone of this episode. You know, they're, they're in, they, in class, they push in through the door. Uh, as, as the teacher is letting them out, and you know, good old Joey Jeremiah comes out with Stephanie K, and like immediately, he's sexually harassing her. Like, bad, like stuff like, I don't believe I ever said anything like this to girls when I was 14. It was like, what did he say something like, I, I'm, do- I'm Joey D. Jeremiah, D for doctor, at your service, I give great operations. <laughs> and I just thought to myself, who is this guy? <laughs> and she turned him down. She did. She, she blew him off her wheels, his best friend. But to Joey's credit, you know, when he was like, oh, he took a hint. He, and he said that I can take a hint and he fucked off. And then he held, and he, but then, you know, he, 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 he then makes it his, his goal to then help wheels, you know, get his, get, get some with Stephanie. Well, when, when wheels confirms that he's got the date, he comes down to see Joey. And of course, there's that moment where you can know, you know, Joey's jealous, but then he's like, you know, trying to give the support and you've got the guy friends right yeah so he describes <laughs> he describes wheels to to the gang of dudes as yeah wheels the dude's a sex machine <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so there's a conversation that takes place in the uh in the library with with uh with stephanie and the, and twins. the twins yeah and they're like, okay, you know, like you've blown these dates before with him, so you I know. think they had a date previously, right? They, In a previous got, episode, there was a there was a school dance, yeah, and they were supposed to go to the dance, and Stephanie showed up drunk, and so she got, she got booted out, yeah, and okay. that's how she ruined the first date okay. with Wheels. So this is her second chance. So now she doesn't want to fuck it up, right? Yeah. So she <laughs> she and the girls are talking about, well, you know. She's talking about she's going to wear something something so hot that it's going to melt his eyeballs, which I can't even fucking imagine because she's sitting there in like a bra and panties, basically. Basically, she was. Yeah. So, anyways, then the the twins ask her like, "Well, what if he tries something?" And so she's like, "Well, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens." So in the background, there's uh, there's Shane. In sweatpants. In sweatpants, <laughs> and and then the, you know what? All I wrote was the Asian kid. Because it wasn't Yik. It was an Asian kid that was in the grade with them that never yeah. got a storyline. He just kind of. Oh, he was a secondary, out. a real, like a, like a, like a third level character. So they overhear this and excitedly run out of the library and go into and find Joey and Wheels in the washroom. Yes. They barge into the washroom and immediately the first thing out of Shane's mouth, Wheels, you're going to make it. <laughs> I made a note about this and I thought, who the hell ever said make it? And you know, I, 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 like, we, I, back then, I mean, we were a little bit younger, so we weren't teenagers at the time, but I don't remember anybody who ever said make it. I mean, people said like, well, you're going to do it. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Make it just sounded like something that would be said like in my, in like my mom when she was younger would have said. And it's funny because Jan Moore, the writer is, is like a baby boomer, like, born in whatever 1953 he wrote all this dialogue and it's just it's just it's just dripping with innuendo <laughs> and things like talking about necking 
And I'm like, who, who says necking? I remember my parents used to say it, and I didn't even know what the fuck it meant. Yeah, well, I was watching it, and I'm like, is this an episode of Happy Days? <laughs> necking? What? <laughs> and so, you know, I, I found it hilarious when they were talking about, you're going to make it. You're going to make it with her. I thought... Nobody's talking like this. this. This whole this whole scene. First of all, they say you're going to make it. <laughs> then the little Asian kid is like, yeah. She said she can handle it. <laughs> and, and he gives like the little like, th- like the, the, okay. Th- the okay sign. <laughs> and then when Wheels is basically like, you know, the bravado like, well, you know, she'll get it if she wants it or whatever. Immediately, these two kids like in sync, like they practice it for years are like, all the way with Stephanie K. Oh yeah, they yeah. they had the catchphrase all ready to go. It's funny because right before that, um, they, uh, I believe he said, did he say that it was he called her Stephanie H K? The H is for hot. <laughs> <laughs> so I, even though she wasn't uh, a big part of this show, um, but if we ever talk about Degrassi again, it's going to come up because the repeated theme as I watch this is fucking Kathleen Mead. So there's there's oh, these God. scenes where they walk by Melanie Brody and Kathleen yep. Mead, who are yep. grade seven kids. Yeah. And Melanie's like very like, I, you know, I want to experience junior high and I want to have a boyfriend. And yeah. I think that that's cool that the drugs and sex can happen here. <laughs> Kathleen, though, is just fucking prudish bitch all <laughs> the time. Every scene she has to be like in this one, she's like. I think it's disgusting. I'm going to wait until I'm married before I, I have sex with anybody. It's just so gross. And this is a running theme if you watch enough Degrassi where they have to, when they have to go over to Kathleen being just a little prude. That, that's, that's her role throughout the show. Yeah. And, and if you've seen her, she looks exactly like the part. Oh yeah. And you know, that scene that, that you're talking about, and you, I think that there's, there's a couple of things that I think we missed and we'll go back to them. Yeah. But I remember that scene and you know, what they were doing is throughout the show, they were cutting, up to that point, they were cutting back to their reactions because they were hearing what was going on in the library as well. And they were like mortified, right? And so what happens, This that scene, if you get a chance, watch it because the scene is so bad. The acting is terrible and they're, they're talking to each other in the hallway about exactly what you were just talking about. And it's so, the, the, the dialogue is terrible. But at the end, Melanie gets off just a major fucking burn. And I just, I never understood why one friend would say that to another friend just Almost out of nowhere. But at one point she's like, who would be stupid enough to marry you? <laughs> to your friend! <laughs> they weren't really arguing. They were just having kind of a discussion. Yeah. One person is like, I'm going to wait till I'm married. And she's like, I think, you know, I, I want to, I think people should be able to do what they want. It's like, right out, she just drops it on her. Just and I thought, Why? Why do you got to be so cold-blooded, Melanie? God! Well, that's, how, that's their relationship, right? There's um, a lot with Melanie and Kathleen yeah. as that series goes. I got to say, though, you know, what we did was they, they, they went back at, when, when they were, when the, when the guys were all in the bathroom. Um, I, I just, I want to mention one thing that I loved about the, about this scene in the bathroom. And we, you know, they, they're talking and they're, they're saying all these ridiculous things. And, and then they start doing the all the way to Stephanie K. Right at the end of the scene. Now, the, the B story of this is, is Stephanie's brother Arthur and his friend Yick have got their hands on, on a, on a, on a porno, uh, uh, VHS tape and I won't get into it all right now because we yeah. can talk about that after yeah. but the best part is is that it's clear that uh, the big reveal after they all leave the bathroom saying all the way with Stephanie K is that Arthur comes out of the stall and he's heard everything but my favorite part about that is that the dude was taking a shit because he's <laughs> in the stall with the door closed and there's a flush it's not like he's hiding yeah. he flushes the toilet after everybody's gone he comes out he just was finished 
taking a monster dump listening to these older guys, you know, basically talking um, about railing a sister. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was just brilliant. And I it was probably I the the the, the it was it was not done on purpose, but it came off so well. Yep. That it just made that scene for me and I I just I loved it. Uh let's you know what? Before I go we move on with the story. Let's So Arthur and Yick. Arthur and Yick are uh grade 7 kids. Yeah. And I I'd actually heard that initially they wanted to center the stories of Degrassi around Arthur being like this innocent grade 7 kid going to high school or going to junior high and his experiences as the show kind of progresses but yeah. Arthur's not exactly the most charismatic character. Okay. So he ends up being like a major character in the show throughout, right? Yeah. But, it, you know, him and Yick end up kind of being the nerds. And then as they grow up, Yick gets into drugs and shit. And they, of course, because everybody does. Yeah. In well, Arthur does, doesn't, but, but they, uh, anyways, Yick excitedly calls Arthur over to his locker and pulls out of the mess this VHS tape. And it's a porn that he's lifted from his brother. And the ni- name of the porn is Swamp Sex Robots. <laughs> and they ask the question that I'm asking. What do Swamp Sex Robots do exactly? Well, yeah, I failed to see how it would be sexy. <laughs> it's robot sex in a swamp. I don't really get it. Like, there's there's nowhere you can really go with that in terms of a porno. Yeah. I don't really know. That's a stretch. But you know, what I did appreciate, again, is that this show is just like, let's deal with the issue of kid finds porno. Because... Let's be honest, it happened to all of us. I was, I still know, I was in grade six when I saw porno for the first time. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I did that. That was actually, this storyline was the most realistic one of the two. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, now maybe my life as a 14 year old is probably much different because I was not, I wasn't like a cool kid. I don't know what was going on, but it certainly wasn't my experience that you were, you know, plotting, you know, sex dates, but there was definite, (coughs) uh, there, excuse me, there was definite like, Finding, you know, Porno play, mags. yeah, finding them in, behind dumpsters, you know, behind the strip mall across from Save Dell Center and, you know, looking at them and hiding them in your, in your bookcase. And of course you under have your bed. You know, I mean, most people, if, if people are listening, I'm assuming that they're our age, but, but if you're younger, you couldn't just like go onto a computer and find no. it. Like you, if you, you had to if, fucking work at it. If you had to grab, you grabbed a magazine and you found something like you held on to that thing like it was a piece of gold. Oh, absolutely. And you had to hide it. Yes. <laughs> you had to hide it well. Yep. Yeah, you had to find a good hiding spot. I, I, I agree. I, I did like the storyline. I mean, I hate Arthur and Yick. Hate them. <laughs> I, I can't stand them, but I did like that storyline. I did find it to be, um, uh, just a really solid one because it, it, it was the, the die again, it's the, the dialogue in this show is, is poor. For the most part. And I, I felt bad for the actors because they were kids and they weren't very good actors. But they weren't given a whole hell of a lot from a dialogue standpoint. So there's it's high comedy watching this the whole time. But that was the storyline where I was like, yeah, no, that 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 That's happens. Man. To. That happens. And so and all of this all of this is gonna converge on Friday night. Uh Stephanie is going to get picked up by wheels at seven, and Arthur and his buddies are going Excuse to watch. Me, that's seven thirty. Well, it turns into seven. Oh, you had it right. Oh, started okay. at seven. And then they find out that their mom is going to go out on a date. So Stephanie can go out on her date and Arthur can have the boys over and they can have, sit around. <laughs> the <floor>. <laughs> so, uh, so, so now we cut to what I think is my favorite scene of, okay. of the whole thing. They cut, they cut away. And now all of a sudden wheels and his dad are walking the dog along the beach. <laughs> it's like. It's like a fucking commercial for talk to your kid about sex. So they're walking along the beach 
And Wheels is like, Dad, when's the first time you did it? So his dad's kind of like, you know, you know, a little bit of surprise, but he's supporting. Well, no, you know, he immediately goes to, you know, like he knows. He knows what he's asking and he's like immediately on the defensive actually. When I when I was watching, I was like, wow, he he really jumped on that one. But he he takes him over to a bench. He's like, let's sit down, son. Yeah. So they sit down on the bench and he goes through the speech about, you know, you got to be careful and it's a big responsibility. But the line that that caught me, which I don't know, made me feel bad maybe for I mean, this is what you say to the kid obviously, but kind of made me feel bad for Wheels Wheels's mom is when he's like Sex isn't something you do just for fun. <laughs> is what he tells Wheels. Yeah, that that was a little bit strange. You know, and again, he's talking to his kid, right? So of yeah. course he's trying to get across the point that you got to be responsible and blah blah blah. Well, blah, and blah. there has to be love there and all that stuff. But really it comes off as well, you're only fucking to procreate, which is weird. It's a kind of a weird message. Yep. But again, it's the 80s and, you know, like they're trying to write it. They're, they're walking a tightrope. I can only imagine what it was to be in that writer's room. Walking a tightrope <laughs> of, you know, uh, from CBC censors to, you know, uh, concerned, you know, parent groups and, you know, just, uh, you're under a microscope. You gotta be real careful what you're writing. So I, I do have an appreciation for that. So can that, oh. Yeah. So are, are we gonna move on? Cause I wanted to go back just once. Okay. To one thing that happened right before they kind of cut to, uh, Wheels's dad and the and the and the sex talk and this this kind of part kind of left a real bad taste in my mouth uh now as i as i watch it now um i found the, as a the, sensitive parent well you know no it's not that it's more like i i found myself feeling really bad for stephanie as this went on and i know that she had like she had her friend vula and they were having a feud and, oh yeah, yeah and so there was that and that was kind of <clears throat> that was okay there was a there was clearly something else there but the twins fucking turn on her out of nowhere, and they start talking about her in the third person when she's right there, and these are her friends, and they're 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 slut shaming her in front of her. <laughs> they can't believe that that she is uh, that that she's going to go through with this, and it was a real kind of sinister tone that her friends would just abandon her. She hadn't even decided what she was going to do. She was, you know, they're, they're all young and they're trying to figure it out. And, you know, throw away the fact that kids don't talk to each other like that. Well, at least the, the boys don't. I know that because I don't remember ever talking about maybe stuff just in that we didn't have friends. Maybe not. Well, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. But I just, I found it to be just really heavy handed and it didn't make sense that these, these, that these twins would just turn on her in a second and, and then it flowed into that other one where the, where, where Melanie and Kathleen were then doing the same kind of thing, but they're, you know, they're the, the younger ones who were kind of, uh, eavesdropping and were having their own, uh, opinions. And at one point they were, did something like, I can't believe that the president of our school would do something. And I thought, <laughs> boy, Degrassi kids sure expect a lot from their elected officials. <laughs> That's you know, right. like, by the way, the president who, who got elected by kissing boys and dressing like like a tramp. That's, yeah, that's they why couldn't she, believe. That's why she got elected, yeah. and now they're like, I can't believe that she I can't would believe sleep it. around. Yeah, but anyway, that was. I just wanted to take a little sidebar on that. That that was just something that I thought, and and uh, it, it was too bad. I felt, I felt, I I was on Stephanie's side at that point. <laughs> I really was. My favorite scene of this whole thing, this whole fucking show, comes up now. Joey and Wheels go to the pharmacy. <laughs> To pick up condoms. Yep. Joey tells him, 
dude, this is the 80s. The guy's got responsibilities. <laughs> so, you know, they've got to go. The other one, though, I liked is the whole peer pressure thing. And I, I like this because, you know, again, not to, again, in our circle of friends, we, we really didn't talk a lot about, like, people banging. I, I don't know what my friends were up to, but I honestly don't think a lot of them were banging when we were in high school. No. I know that a lot of people in our high school were banging. Yeah. Um, but we weren't that cool. There was, you no, know, you, you had know. to be cool to bang. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but, but still there was, there was stuff that obviously yeah. did happen. And there is that small element that happens between guys where it's like, if you're going to score in some way, I can live vicariously through that. And that, that was, that, that was a great kind of and way that they played that off. And the Joey line to wheels is, all the guys are counting on you. You can't let us down. Exactly. Because they want to hear the stories. They want to know. They want to feel that that they've accomplished something through wheels. It was actually... I, I liked how that went. Yeah. That whole scene in the pharmacy um, was great because, you know, especially my favorite part of that of, of that scene in the pharmacy is they go in there and Joey, it's like the 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 the, the all-knowing about condoms. <laughs> and, and, he, and, he, and he runs them down. He's like, you got the French stallion, <laughs> the rib delight... Your industrial strength, your variety <laughs> pack. <laughs> and I thought, French stallion. I just, and you see all the chic condoms. And the other thing about, about that I liked about the scene is I liked how Degrassi shot all these things in actual places. Yeah. They're all just around shooting. Like we got to shoot today and we're, we're in a, we're in the pharmacy on whatever street in Toronto. Yeah. And it's like, you just see all the products. Nothing's blurred out. Nothing's fake. It's all like, there's the huggies. There's the chic condoms. <laughs> and that was, and the other good thing about this is the old lady lurking around. Just peeking is, around. Is so concerned about these boys that she's, that she's, she's peeking around the, around the, uh, around the, uh, the, the, the stacks looking around, you know, wondering what they're up to. And my favorite part about this scene is that Joey calls for help. He's like, Hey, can you come over here and help us in the safe section? Yeah, and he calls, of course, Stephanie's mom, who's the pharmacist. Yeah. Which is the big, kind of funny, like, tension-building thing. So she comes over, and as she's coming over, Joey takes a pack of condoms, like a three-pack. Yeah. Flicks it in the air and catches it. <laughs> stuffs it into Wheels' chest and is like, see you later. And he fucks off. So he <laughs> what leaves, a dick. So he what leaves, a dick. So he leaves Wheels to deal with the pharmacist, who is, again, Stephanie's mom. Yeah, which, who, of course, he doesn't know. Yeah. He doesn't know it's her mom, but we know. Yeah. So we're in on the, we're in on the joke. We know what's going on. So the tension is for us, but Wheels doesn't know. But still, Joey deserts him. It's great. Such a dick. So so he buys condoms from Stephanie's mom. Yes. And so now we have kind of everything now unfolding as we get to the climax of the show. So, yeah. again, we had this date that was originally scheduled for, for Stephanie's mom. She's going to go out with this guy, Mike, that she met... But because he kept coming to the pharmacy and he was always sick. Yeah, he always had a cold. So yeah, he's, he's, he's a real, a real catch. Yeah, and you'll see. And I have a f- few comments about Mike at the end when he shows up. <laughs> but she's originally going to go out with him at seven. So Stephanie's got her date planned at seven thirty. Yeah, and then there's a conversation that Arthur has with his mom that that Stephanie isn't a part of, where the mom's like, "Oh, well, Mike's coming to pick me up at seven thirty. That's so right. like, "Okay, now we've got a problem here." And Arthur doesn't know it. So Arthur then calls Yick, and all he says is, Yick, Swamp Sex Robots, 745. <laughs> Be there. So again, why would, you know, I, a lot of these, this, the, how this show ends, I basically wouldn't happen if they had iPhones and texting at that time. 
all of this mishap that happens at the end of the show with all these crossing of, of yeah. schedules. Because <laughs> you just text them and be like, mom's gone, right? Yeah, exactly. But at that time... Oh, yeah, that was life, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could, you had to plan things perfectly. Yep. And when it didn't wasn't planned perfectly, you had to be able to bail out. And, you know, I found it funny that Stephanie just... She didn't have, like, a backup plan for herself. She's upstairs getting ready, hiding from her mom because she's not supposed to dress sexy. Which And I'm only saying sexy because the show yep. said sexy about 15,000 times. <laughs> She's trying to dress in that, in, you know, in a more adult way. And, um, and uh, you know, she's, she's completely oblivious to what's going on because she's hiding up in her room. And, of course, what happens? Well, the, the other thing that I liked is before all this happened, Arthur, and again, obviously this is written for the show, but the little idiot... Just walks around the house holding the sex I know. tape, reading reading whatever the notes are on out the loud. tape out loud, and then whenever like an adult or Stephanie comes in the room, he has to hide it behind well, his back. And, he, and his backpack is sitting on the ground. Yeah, he can't just wait and go up to his room. Yeah, like his his porn game <laughs> was terrible, <laughs> terrible. So, anyways, so what what obviously happens in the end is. Everybody arrives at Stephanie's place at the same time. Well, Mike, Mike and Wheels arrive exactly at the same time, so, carrying the same colored flowers. So Wheels picks up flowers, and as he's walking, the car pulls up, and Mike gets out. And Mike is short, and he's wearing a suit. Yep. And they both have flowers. And Mike gets out of the car, looks at Wheels, and doesn't say anything to him. <laughs> they just walk towards the door together. <laughs> well, they're both uh, nervous, I guess. So they knock on the door. And Arthur answers, and he sees Wheels, and he's like, you're, you're early, get out of here. But the, the gig is up, and Stephanie's mom sees Wheels at the door, and is immediately like, you're the boy from the pharmacy. And it and takes her a second. It's, there's like a beat. Yeah. And People then she's like, like, oh my god! Yeah. So he she calls Stephanie down. Stephanie comes down the stairs with a robe on that's falling off of her, and you can see her... Her hot outfit. pants under her yeah. So the mom comes and reveals it and sees that Stephanie's dressed to party. Yeah. And knows what Wheels bought, and now is like, now all these kids are standing there and shit, and fucking Mike is standing there saying nothing. <laughs> He's, and then later he's sitting on the couch saying nothing. He's, he's just, just sitting there. That poor guy, you know, I felt for Mike at the end, because there's Mike and he's sitting there, and like, what's he supposed to do? So eventually she says, Mike, obviously we're gonna have to postpone, and then he's finally like, I understand. Hands her the flowers and leaves. Yeah. So it's like, good night, good night for Mike. Yeah. You know? Um, but then, of course, at 7.45, 15 minutes later, the, the door rings, and then, <laughs> so obviously Wheels and Stephanie are, are in shit, and then, yes, the door, the door rings again, and Arthur opens the door, and it's three of his friends, Yick, one that I can't identify, and one, his name is Alex Yanku, who is, yep. ends mm-hmm. up kind of having some storylines yes. later, and Alex immediately, as soon as the door opens, is like, we want to see the porno. <laughs> Like, in the middle of the, like, right outside the door, in front of the neighborhood, yelling about the porno he wants to watch. Like I said, the porno game. Terrible. Yep. Terrible on these kids. They learned a lot that day about about discretion. They really did. Keeping everything kind of on the down low. And you know, Arthur, if your mom's leaving at 7.30, maybe give a little bit more of a buffer. Just in case. And you know, maybe... When all this is going on, you're not in trouble. Maybe you could have gone outside well, here's, for a little bit and waited for your friends and said, you guys got to go. Here's here's another thing. Uh, you know, I guess we assume now at the end of the show that Arthur hasn't seen the porno, right? Yeah. But his mom doesn't know that he's got the porno. I don't think. 
Uh, you don't know because he shuts the door and it's kind of like, it's not done as a serious thing, it's done as a comedic thing, yes. right? But you presumably could think that, you know, she could say what porno or what are they talking about and he could just No, I, to, I think he gets off because you know, he, he the next li- day, he, first he smiles at the camera. Yeah. He's like shrugs and smiles like it's fucking Benny Hill. <laughs> and then and then it cuts to the next day with him and Stephanie and she's been punished, but she's he's gotten gra- off scot-free. By so. the way, she's been grounded for two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. And yes, he's, he's, he's scot-free. So I just think to myself... Well, you could have watched the porno. Well, yeah, well, well maybe he did. Yeah. We don't know. I would like to think that he did. But, I mean, I, I don't know when he would do it because clearly his mom's not going. He must take it back to his dad's house. He might have. At some have. point, right? But, but, you know, at some point, Arthur watched Swamp Sex Robots. Clearly. <laughs> My, I, I love how it ends, though, with the big, like, the big uh, cliffhanger. Where it's like Stephanie kind of, what does she, she doesn't really reveal if she would have done it. Is that kind of how it she, ends? She, she's walking with Vula. Because they're friends again. Because Vula had Vula been mean to her. Vula, Vula, Vula was mean her. to her and then apologized for yes. it. And so now they're talking. And she basically reveals like, well, she's kind of relieved that she yes. didn't have to find out what would have happened. That's right. So it was kind of like, would she or wouldn't she? And have Wheels, I'd like to and, think. And Wheels is the same, by the way. He's kind of like, eh, you know, it's me and Stephanie are meant to be friends and eh, it's all right. Like, yeah. you know. I, you know, if this was today, you know what, I would have liked to have, I would have, what I would have tacked on is I would just tacked on maybe, you know, like it was great, all the tension and all that. I would like to think that Stephanie wouldn't have done it. That she, you know, that she would have, she, you know, it doesn't matter how you dress. Even if you're dressing terrible, it doesn't mean to expect the sex. I actually, she would have turned him down. And that, that's what, in my mind, I actually think that. that he wouldn't have gone for it. Well, when Wheels was a, was a, was a good guy. Now again, back then. At, at 14, he was a good guy. Now, 17, 18 year old yeah, Wheels he was fucking, terrible. He's a dirtbag. Yeah, exactly. And he probably would have done it then, but at, at 14, you can kind of see that he's not ready. He and, wasn't ready, no. You know, I, I bet you, I bet you he didn't even, he wouldn't even cup boob. See, and back then, you know, when I think about it now, about the storyline, you watch it and it's funny. It, the, the, the payoff was pretty bad because it just ended up with being punished. And it was like, why don't you just let them figure it out? Cause maybe what they would have done was they would have just not done it. And they would have learned something on their own without their mom, without her mom handing down a punishment for two weeks of grounding for what conspiring to have sex. Maybe like that's the thing. She got grounded for nothing. Well, really. she's been sneaking out and dressing. Like that's a true. This is that that is true, right? And yeah, that's the that's first true. time her mom knows that's it, and, and she's doing it at school. Yeah. Again, why would no teeth like the teachers? Again, like I go back to the very first point. The teachers are all just cool with it. I guess no so. one, no one in a parent teacher interview, no one calls home. No, and she's no like one a, says anything. She's a well-known student. She's the president. She's the president. And no one at this school reveals Notices. to her parents, like, you know, we've got a problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, Radich, he's too, he's too worried about Joey. Yes, he is. He Radich really is. is just keyed in on Joey at all times. <laughs> God, I hate Radich. I hate him. So anyway, I like that. That was a, that was a good episode. It was a good choice. So this is on YouTube. Go to YouTube. Degrassi Best Laid Plans. Yep. Have a watch of this. Yep. See if you agree. Send us your comments. Yes. Send yeah. us your comments. That would be great. Hit us up on Twitter. On our, uh, at Meza9 Sleepover. Meza9. Yeah. Sleepover. It's very um, clever. It is. It is. Woo. We've already gone an hour, bro. Yeah. Well, I think we got to... I, I would like to get to the... Um, I'm calling this the next segment. I'm calling this the Torsion Center uh, weekly list. Okay. Something like that. Uh, <laughs> something like that. But it, it'd probably change every week. Um, I, I want to get to the list. We got some other things we want to talk about. I want to get to the list because we, when, 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 in, when you, when you're lacking an idea, just do a list. And, uh, I like doing lists. 
it, it gets the conversation going, gets us talking. And uh, I came up with the list this week. I, I thought long and hard about the list. Uh, actually, I didn't. I, I put it together today. <laughs> you, you gave me a list of like a dozen options, and you were like, I don't know, pick one. Oh, yeah, because I, I didn't want to. There was a lot of pressure on this. And, and, and what it came to is, you know, we're sitting here, and it's, it's mid-June, almost mid-June. We're coming up on, uh, on summertime. It's coming up <laughs> soon. Uh, the, the, the weather is beautiful. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the sun is shining. Well, not right now, because it's, uh, middle of the night on a Friday. Um, but we are, uh, we are approaching summer, so I thought, what better time to, uh, introduce a, uh, uh, five classic summer jams. Just, All right. and, uh, you know, originally my, my thought was, and, uh, that it would be, you know, we would, we'd have a nice discussion and, you know, kind of impart onto each other what we thought were, you know, classic summer songs that, and for me, what happened is that I, um, I kind of went, I didn't go a different way, but I, I internalized like immediately. Like I didn't go like, okay, you know, cruel summer or, you know, something like hotel California. Yeah. Or something like, or like boys of summer or yeah. I, I, what I tend to do is I like retreat back into like my, 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 my shell and start thinking about like what songs like just remind me of certain summers. And, um, and you know what? I did the same thing. Perfect. So when we're I, good. So when I went through the list, it wasn't like I was like, this is a fucking summer anthem. No, not at all. And when you hear my list, you're going to be, you're, I'm going to confirm that for you. This is just, again, there are very specific memories that I have of the summer. And I think you said the same thing to me and it ended up for me too, that because of this, all the songs are basically clustered in the same period of time. Absolutely. And, uh, there's no, like, summer of 2011 isn't represented here. Not at all. No. Not at all. No, no. And, um, I'm going to start because, uh, well, I want to start. And, uh, just because, uh, also because I, I think maybe your list might be better and I want to, you know, oh, you it, know, we'll it's, see. It's not until the end. Okay. So, classic summer jams. And I'm going to, again, like we just said, I'm, I'm going from personal feeling. And I'm, I'm going to go way back to start this one. I'm probably going to go a little further back than you thought I would go back. My first... My first real summer, like, song that reminds me of summertime is, um, and this is, this is in no particular order. Yeah. I didn't call it a top five summer jams. I called it just five. Yeah. Classic. You could swap in any songs, really, but these are five that are significant. Right out of the gate, I gotta go. Burton Cummings. Fine <laughs> state of affairs. <laughs> and, you know, um, a, first of all, if you're listening, stop. Just stop. Open up another tab or whatever you're doing. I don't know if you got this on iTunes. Open up a browser tab. Go to YouTube. Find State Affairs, Burton Cummings, a classic. And and what this get, this is what started for me when um when I was younger, like really young, probably uh, pre like being like eight, eight years old. We used to spend the summers at Beauty Bay, Ontario, just outside Kenora. Um, it's a like a resort. We'd get the old tent trailer out and uh, drive up there, and we had neighbors in the city who had a cabin out there, and uh, and we would we would. For a week or two weeks at a time, we'd go and we'd we'd tent the trailer and and uh, that was kind of what we did. We used to drive around all the time with the, with the tent trailer, going all different places. But what I remember the most is sitting in the car. My dad had the best of Burton Cummings tape from 1980 with a big stash on it, with the big master stash, and it's it's neck up, but it's clear he's topless. <laughs> and uh, this was the final track, and it was it, this was actually a, a track from that year off of his album Woman Love, and um, it is uh, it is notable. It's a smooth groove. It really is. And it's got that sax solo. And it's Burton and his, and his, and his, 
velvety voice. And, uh, <laughs> and it just reminds me of driving down, you know, the, the Canadian Shield kind of starting on the highway. And I'm young. And I just, what I would, I would, I want to mention that for years, I was convinced that he was saying pine steak. <laughs> and I don't know when I figured out that it was fine state of affairs, but I thought he was saying pine steak. But that is my, my kickoff of classic summer jams for me. Burton Cummings, Fine State of Affairs. Go check it out. It is beautiful. There it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's smooth. That is smooth. That is smooth. And I like it because it doesn't have that... It's not piano-based. I like it because this YouTube video just has different pictures of Burton. It's just going through a collage. Oh, God. Look at that guy. He's all sweaty. <laughs> just a big smile. He's is, is sweating his hair. That's fantastic. Oh, that's beautiful. That is fantastic. Fine state of affairs. Well done. Good uh, producing there. Scaling. <laughs> All right. Now I skip ahead. I, I skip ahead nine years because, uh, you know, we're, we're done with the young stuff. We're going to get into a little bit of, a little bit more formative time for me. Summer of 1989. Oh, shit. Prince. Oh, yeah. No. No. Electric chair. Oh, damn. I was going to say Batman soundtrack. I was say Bat Dance, of Yeah. Course. You know what? Not Bat Dance. Uh, summer of 89. Um, I'm a, uh, I was born in the summer like you were, right at the start of the summer. And, um, so I, I rarely had birthday parties. Rarely. Because I, we, what, what happened was when, uh, when I was, in about 1985, my parents bought a cabin out at Victoria Beach. And, uh, I spend all summer out there, every summer. All summer, my parents would stagger their vacation. And, uh, you know, I, we were out there all year. And, and, and so my, my summers were kind of isolated. And uh, I tend to miss, you know, big birthday parties because, you know, um, it was a few weeks and school was out and, and we weren't there. But- and again, being at the lake, if you're at the lake all summer and you're, you know, under the age of 16, yeah. you may as well be across the other side of the world. Oh, yeah. You're on the moon, man. You, you know, you're not, unless people come out there to see no. you, you're not seeing anyone. And you are disconnected. Pop culture is gone. You're not exposed to very much. So what you what you bring with you at the start is what kind of forms that summer. So for me, I had the Batman soundtrack and I just, electric chair just kind of grabbed me. And it it's a, it's a, uh, it's a funky, sexy jam. I love it. And, um. You know, it's just, I, I saw Batman on my birthday. I actually had a birthday party that year. It was my final, uh, that was the year that I left, uh, uh, Ecole Varenne and I, and in the fall I was going to the, the high school, even though I was in grade seven. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was one of those transitional years for me from a musical, from a, from a musical standpoint, listening to music is that I kind of started to, um, to experience, you know, I got the rap tracks tape that year. So I got, I got my first intro really to hip hop. And, uh, you know, I was, I was rocking. I, I, I remember, um, for the first part of that summer, I did, I did spend some time in the city at Mini University with the, with, I had the old Walkman on with the, with the rocking the, uh, the Batman soundtrack, the hit wave compilation and, uh, and, ra- and, 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 uh, rap tracks. And, uh, that one really stuck with me. And, you know, to this day, I listen to that song every so often and I just, I just love that song. And to me, classic summer jam. Now, are you pulling up something? No, no, no go ahead. Good, yeah, that's fine. You can go listen to Electric Chair. It is, uh, it is one of those unheralded kind of, uh, Prince songs. Uh, it's, uh, to me, the, the high point of the Batman soundtrack. Ah, uh, fuck it. Let's see. Oh, what have we got here? Oh, no. No, it's, it doesn't pop up right away. That's so. all right. Okay. I'm gonna be lazy. No, that's just be lazy. It's not on the internet. Oh, we got I'm five sure state of affairs in there. Now, now we're gonna jump ahead about three years. Now we're not, and this is my third one. And when we get to the summer of 92, this is kind of, this is, uh, for me, this, this could be about anything. 
I could pick a number of songs. I could pick a number of albums. I'm going to go with In Bloom by Nirvana. Only because In Bloom was released as a single in about May of 92. Um, so it was kind of on the charts. It, the video was out. It was, it was there uh, around this time. I was heavily into uh, that music scene at that point. I spent a couple of years really into hip-hop, um, you know, NWA... Uh, and so on and so forth. And now we go to to the the yeah, there it is, fantastic. I, you know, everybody's heard in bloom. Um, this is the uh, I was a little late to the alt rock bandwagon. Like Nevermind came out in, in fall of '91, um, and a lot of these albums came out in '91. But this could have been anything off Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Oh, what yeah, happened for right. me was that uh, you know we were uh, big into hip hop and and like I said I went through all this in the the first podcast I did with you for Beyond the Handle but uh, at some point it started to transition we started getting into skateboarding listening to suicidal tendencies and then it was like oh Nirvana and we got the album I must have listened to Nevermind all summer long again isolated at the cottage um, I had just kind of had you know, uh, uh, winter with some, with some girlfriends. I'd never had a girlfriend before. And, uh, you know, I had a grade nine grad. I kind of had an angsty kind of feel <laughs> to that summer. Um, you know, I had the, I had the kind of longish hair. It was just, when I think this gun kind of takes me back again, it's not like a summer song that you would like associate with summer, yeah. but it's, uh, it's, it's that whole album, that whole scene that would definitely have to be one of those, um, classic summer jams. And uh, like I said, I started my mixtapes, tapes, and this was figured prominently on those tapes. So, um, in Bloom, Nirvana. I don't even have to tell you to listen to it because if you're a Winnipegger and you listen to any rock radio, you've probably heard it like a million times already today. today. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we go. We're gonna jump ahead uh, again a, a couple of years. Go to summer of '95. Okay. All right. So you would know right away my graduating year, high school. Um, you know, another transitional phase in my life. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Matthew Sweet, Sick of Myself. Oh, all right. And, you know, just perfectly illustrated the uh, the the um, moment in time for me. Um, again, not a traditional kind of summer jammy jam kind of thing. There's plenty of things from 95 that you could pick that were probably, for most people, be like, that's the summer of 95. For me, it was Matthew Sweet, Sick of Myself. I had that melancholy going on, you know, what, what lies ahead in the world um, I was isolated at the cottage for one last summer. <laughs> and, uh, I, again, another song that I listened to quite a bit, uh, uh, you know, and, um, I, I will never, I'll, it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's summer 95 for me. You played it. Star, star, star. I one of my, one of my best friends, uh, Mike used to say to me, um, we, we used to play in bands together and he used to say you know when you write music it's it's like a Matthew Sweet you're, you're like a Matthew Sweet kind of oh look at you guy and you know he meant it as kind of a like a burn yeah and at the time I was like kind of sad I was like oh come on that's that's but now I think about him like fine Matthew Sweet was great <laughs> that was like a compliment man like you know the, the the real like that guy was just real three chord that was three chord, but it wasn't like they didn't have the the punk ethos. It was just kind of like three chord sappiness. I'll take it. Matthew Sweet, uh, sick of myself. Classic. All right, my last summer jam. This one, uh, we, you and I always talk about crossover, 
and uh, when we do road trip mixes, and yep. we'll get into that one day on, oh, a, on, yeah. a, on a future podcast. Um, when we would go on road trips, and we would like, I wonder if there's gonna be crossover. Do we have the same song? Here's the song where there's potential for crossover. And I, I think you, your wheels are turning. I can see you wondering. I'm just pulling out my list. If you're wondering which it is, Summer of 96. And this is probably the only one where people who might be listening would say, yeah, that's a summer song. Space Hog in the meantime. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> summer of 96. The, uh, you know, I, I have here, I have here, um, you know, rolling around, you and I, all summer long, you newly graduated. Rolling, rolling, rolling around, like in the sheets? No, 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 no <laughs> in the car. What? We took, we had some road trips that we took yep. out to various places. Uh, I call it the summer of so many CDs, where all we did was buy CDs all summer long, blowing money, like, 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 like we had, like, like we were millionaires. Like, I, I was painting at College Pro. Like kind of part time, and I was teaching at the Y where I wasn't. I, it, during the summer, you weren't volunteering; you were actually getting paid. And we would just go and just like serious buckage on songs. And so here's Space Hog in the meantime. I um just because I was an only grandchild, I was particularly spoiled. So kind of my last hurrah before having to go to university and to get a job was I got cut a big check by my grandmother. Nice. At that point in time, which lasted me which lasted me the summer. Yep. And I would say of that check, and it was a big check. Um probably two thirds of it went towards C D binging. Oh yeah. Where we would go downtown and we'd we'd go into like a UCD place and yep. we'd walk out with like bags of CDs. Yeah. I mean and like if you were look at it now, like just terrible purchases. You know? I, I bought the whole Tragically Hip collection up to that point. Oh, yeah, point. that's fine. Oh, which was, isn't terrible, that's obviously. That's not terrible, but... but, like, you know, it's 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 just... You... I know that we were... Like, I was playing... We were we were pretty young, so we were kind of playing catch-up, right? Yeah. You're kind of catching up. Like, you're buying Tragically Hip. You're buying things that you're catching up. I'm buying things that I haven't heard. I remember that summer buying, like, uh, you know, Bjork's first album and... Uh, and uh, Beck's first album, and just trying to pad my collection, and uh, yeah, that was that was one of those summers I, I'll never forget. And in that summer, we did we did uh, you know trips to, to Peace Gardens uh, to crash the Peace Gardens <laughs> yeah. concert, and and uh, and we had a Brandon trip. We had a Brandon trip that summer, and uh, this is the perfect song to remind me of the summer '96, and that is my fifth and final classic summer jam. Take it over, Slipe. All right, so. You've already got the Space Hog one. Yes. Um, which is mine too, and pretty much for the same reasons. Yep. Just, it wasn't even out that summer. It came out, and came out in late 95. Um, but, yeah, you know, this is when it kind of rose to prominence with me. Space Hog, who, by the way, um, are remembered for that song, but as far as I'm concerned, had two fantastic albums and then one album with a couple of good jams on it. Space yep. Hog didn't end after the meantime, as far as I'm concerned. No, they didn't. They had, I thought, I found uh, Resident Alien to be a good album. That I would, you know, I still listen to some of the songs and I, I have, uh, I have nice memories of some of those songs and it was well done. One thing I remember about Space Hog is how terrible they were live. How <laughs> Royston Langdon was a terrible singer. Just brutal. Like, like we're talking like guy from third eye blind level yeah. of bad singing live. Um, but yeah, I, 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 their second album I, I did, uh, I did enjoy, but you know, by the, it, it, it petered out pretty quick at that point. So my first one and this song, at, at the point in time, is just a nerdy song to like. And now, with the events of someone in particular over the last year, some significant taint has been put on onto this band. It's Moxie Fruvis, and it's stuck in the 90s. 
Okay, all right. Yeah. I wasn't. I didn't listen to Moxie Fruvis. Okay, I know so like two songs by Moxie. People Fruvis. know like the Spider Man song, and you know. Yeah, I know. That the, I know the King of Spain one. That's but about. The, that's about my, my in, thing. Stuck in the nineties was uh, the like like the the single. Like it actually played on the air. And really? Now, and now I'm gonna have to multitask here. You you do I'm, have to play I'm, it for I'm, me I'm, because I'm, the, the the poop man has no idea what song you're talking about, and I'm interested. And of course, the songs the the taint on it is like. Gian Gameshi is yes. part of this band and we know what happened with him. So now all of a sudden Moxie Fruvis has turned into like not just this uh you know, this nerdy thing that yeah, only they're like nerds this like. footnote of like a larger, kind of really creepy, disgusting kind of story that's going to end poorly for everybody involved. And no more right Okay, no, I do know this song. He wakes up to homeless. This is a live version. They're singing in a CTV well, news video, by the way. Right. Moxie Fruvis were like this busker group. So what year are we talking here? 1993. 93. And, and the, reason, the reason for it, and it's kind of similar to your story about going to the lake and you, you only have the pop culture you bring with you, yep. is that my parents and I took a road trip to BC to visit to visit uh, cousins of mine. Yeah. And so I had this tape as one of the only ones with me. So back, like side A, side B and the Walkman. All the way out there, like nice. this whole, this whole freaking album. Then I get out there and my cousins who like live in a small town in BC and who I hadn't seen in years. And it's like, this is the fucking tape where it's like, I'm like the guy rolling in from the big city. And it's like, <laughs> look, look, look what I found kids. And I remember, I remember, um, I think it was, uh, a few years. This is when I'm like, let's see, 93. So I'm, uh, 14, 15 in yeah. that range. Then, like, I don't see them again for, like, four more years. And then we have, like, this family reunion in Red Deer. And my yeah. cousin sees me and right away he's, like, still listening to fucking Moxie Fruvis. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yes. So, so that's that's one of them. Okay. Right on. Uh, let's see. Um, another one was uh, actually, I, I picked one song from this. But it's actually pretty much the, the whole album. It's Cracked Rear View by Hootie and the Blowfish. Nice. And particularly like Hannah Jane, which is the opening track of, okay, of yeah. the album, is a great one. And you know what? People can roll their eyes out there. And I mean, I would too, because I like to mock people for the musical taste. Oh, yeah. People bought this fucking album. This album it's is huge. It's, it's like top 20 of all time sales is oh, yeah. this album. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And again, I usually don't like to point out like, oh, well, it's popular. So it was good. But I like this fucking album. So well, I, I, if I can add to that, I uh, I would never have listened to Hootie and the Blowfish um, uh, at the time, but I did, <laughs> yeah. and it was because I graduated that year, and uh, all the people that I were friends with in my graduating class liked Hootie and the Blowfish. So for me, if I, I could say that, I will remember kind of right after graduating, going out to somebody's cottage and, and partying, and there's Hootie, and I I never had the album, but I had a few of the songs. That I put on cassette tapes of mixes I had made. And yeah, absolutely. And that is a good choice. And they're forever associated with friends. Yes. Which is what everyone was watching at the time. Yes. So. I will, I will give that as a, as a, um, as much as I would be like, Hootie and the Blowfish. I'd be like, yeah, no, I, I hear that. That was huge. That was monster that summer. Number four on my list. This is from 1997. Yep. Uh, is evaporated by Ben Folds Five. Oh, yes. And, you know, this album, I, I grabbed it. I remember I was going to hang out with, uh, our friend Ali O'Gratton. And, OG. and he wasn't going to be home for like an hour. And I was kind of in the St. James area. Yeah. So I stopped at Musicplex and I'm yeah. kind of pouring through what the CDs and you could listen to CDs all the time at yep. that point. Mm-hmm. Again, 97, you can't just go on your computer and pull up. 
You could pull up a song if you wanted to wait for it to download. Yeah. For like, you know, and yeah, there was and no MP3 wanted, at the time. Yeah, and, and, and it'd be very hard to or find like a, any song. Or a really, meaty version of the song. Yeah, right? a meaty version of <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so I see this Ben Folds 5 cover, and it looks interesting. Yeah. And I know someone has mentioned them to me, but I've never heard a thing that they've ever played. And I listen to it for like 20 minutes, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to pick up this album, right? Yep. Love the whole thing cover to cover. But to me, something that makes a great album, like one element... And it's not universal, but I find that on a lot of albums I, I, I like is that it ends with like that one, like that sentimental track. Yep. So another big example for me is, um, uh, Matt Good, uh, what the hell? Underdogs. Is that the name of the album? Underdogs. Is, yeah. Underdogs. Is their, right? fir- their first full length. Their second yeah, full length. Yeah. Yeah. Album two. Matthew Good Band. Underdogs. Change of season. Change like, something season. like that. Yeah. You kind of slow it down and you play that big like jam at the of end. Of course. Right at the end. And yeah. Evaporated is, is, is one of good, those. That's ones. a great track. Yeah. Well, you were the one who introduced me to Ben Folds <laughs> five. I got it. I got, I got the album <laughs> in the fall of 1997 and has a big, if we were doing best fall jams, I would have something like, like Battle of Who Could Care Less. Yep. Is like, you know, working at Domo. Yeah. Walking, you know, down Marion to the Norwood Bridge all that way, listening to tapes with Ben Folds 5 on it. So well and done. And of course, everybody, pick, everybody that, that knows Ben Folds 5 will say Brick. Brick. Like, that's well, a yeah. song. Brick doesn't hold a candle to Evaporate. Evaporate is a great song. Good my, choice. My last one, I actually have two more, but my last one on my official list yep. is a song that was actually released in 99, the summer of 99. But... That's a and good summer. And I liked it in that summer, but yep. when I really got into it was the summer of 2000. And okay. when I tell you the song, I want you to guess why. Okay. It's Pumping on Your Stereo by, by, uh, Supergrass. Oh, I know exactly why you liked it in the summer of 2000. <laughs> why is that? Well, it's because of Road Trip. Yep. <laughs> it's the movie Road Trip. So in the movie Road Trip, yeah. there's a scene at the end of the movie where they've, they've resolved whatever the situation is yep. on the, on the far, wherever their destination was on the road trip, Austin, Texas. Yes. And so they're now, they have to, they spent, they spent an hour and 20 minutes making their way there. And now there's kind of your montage of just their drive back. The, the, the quick, the drive back, studying for the exam. Exactly. All that on the way back. And yep. the song that's playing is Pumping on Your yes. Stereo by, by Supergrass. Yes. So that's just always, that, that song is always, always kind oh, of stuck with me. that movie was fantastic. But now, <laughs> this isn't a classic jam and I really hope that you know this song. Okay. Or that you've heard this before. Okay. So I think this is this is summer of ninety two. Okay. Ninety one or ninety two. Okay. And the reason the song I remember it so much is because it, it, you could you could hear it on TV at the same time almost every night. And it was like staying up late, you know, because it's the summer and you're counting down the days till the end, and it's like, oh damn it, like it's nice to stay up till midnight or one, and I'm you know, even though this is a terrible thing, I'm gonna really miss hearing this because it reminds me of the okay, summer. Okay, okay. All right. Yep. Let's do it. Let's hear it. Real fast. Let me tell you what I think and this shall come to pass. My name is Geek. I put them on as a shocker. Man, I love these blue blockers. Everything is clear. They block out the sun. Oh yeah, I gotta get me some. Everything is groovy now. I'm pulling my seat. This is what I do up and down Venice Beach. My name is Geek. I'm more than a hip hopper. And I have to cheat in my blue blockers. Yeah. So here's what happened. There is an infomercial on every night. On one of the stations. And it was for blue blocker sunglasses. Okay. Which are just 
you know, shades. Yeah. Right? And so they have like a half an hour where people are like, I love these shades. And so yeah. I didn't sit there intently watching it, but it would be on TV while I was, you know, fucking around and doing other stuff. But it was on every single night. And so one of them, they're like, we're walking up and down Venice Beach and we find this freestyle rapper. So we give him a pair of blue blocker shades. Let's see what happens. So he puts on the shades and he busts into, you know, what this terrible freestyle, you know? And he's wearing a sombrero. Yes, he is. So again, way. he's like, so that's fantastic. You know what? I don't know that song. Um, again, I, I had isolated summers where I had no channels. Yeah, I guess so. Right? Little TV and we were in a, Everything is clear. a very cold environment. So oh yeah, I, I gotta get this. I never stayed up late anywhere outside of my bedroom. I'm gonna have to. I hope if someone is listening to this, that someone out there yeah. remembers. And I know that they do because I read the comments on on the thing, and people are like, "Remember that staying up as a kid." Yeah, see, that's and, and, that's an interesting one, you know that 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 you have that 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 experience, and it's not good. Like even no, when I terrible. was when I was like twelve or thirteen, I was like, "This is fucking awful." <laughs> he would he would like he would like shoehorn rhymes into each other and use the same word to rhyme, but you know, <laughs> he was a that. freestyler rapper walking <laughs> freestyle up and down the rapper. beach. He wasn't rapping about blue blockers, though, was he? He was yes. just rapping. Oh, he, he was, was rapping about blue oh, blockers. My God. I love these shades. I love they these block shades. out the sun. <laughs> They, make, they, make they go to LA cool. in 92 and that's the only guy they can find? Oh, they have a bunch of them. But, but, <laughs> but most people are like just regular folks. Oh, put on these shades. Oh, my God. These are so great. These are so you know? great. But they're like this one. And then he, he does his rap and then he gives the shades back. And then there's the narrator over, over like talks over it. And it's like, we decided because he was so great. We gave him a pair of shades for free. Look what happened next. And so he keeps rapping. Nice. he's so happy. Dude. <laughs> To receive a free pair of like $12 shades. You know what? If I had to pick one thing where it was like something like that, where I remember a summer, it would be like the summer, like 91, 92. It'd just be like the SummerSlam theme when they do the WWF would do the SummerSlam report on like a Saturday morning on Cavalcade or something. Yep. And they'd play the theme and run down all the songs. That would be one of those things where it'd be like, that I remember. Cause those were the kind of, I'd see like, we'd have like three channels on the old antenna. Yep. And every, every Saturday I had to watch wrestling. So that would be like something like, like that, you know, the old theme. The old themes like that, but yeah. So on that topic, actually, yes. good, good, good transition point. Yeah, well, that was kind of the point. Kind of the last, the, the last thing that we, I think we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So, uh, this week, uh, actually yesterday. Yesterday. Yesterday, the American dream Dusty Rhodes passed away at the age of 69. Well, and, Duster. and like, you, even if you're not a wrestling fan, uh, you know, there's going to be a small portion of people that don't know who Dusty Rhodes is, right? Dusty Rhodes was, uh, in the, uh, it was a little bit before our time when he was when when he was really big. Yeah. Um. But it was kind of like when the Macho Man passed away. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like everybody came out and it was like everyone remembered the Macho Man. Yep. Well, that would have been Dusty Rhodes probably about like seven eight years before our time. And then if you really followed wrestling in the eighties, you know, up north you didn't get a lot of WCW, so you didn't see him a lot, but you knew who he was. Yeah. And then he came to the WWF. And he had polka dots, and he shucked and jived, and he had this this manager that shucked and jived with him. Yep. And that's kind of our exposure to Dusty. And then going into the '90s, he yep. was kind of a commentator in the wrestling world. So he passed away. Yep. Um, but I was I was reading Twitter comments about it, and Seth Mates, who is a old uh, writer for the WWE, commented about the SummerSlam 1990 card. Yep. And just how many wrestlers have died. Oh, it's ridiculous. 
And this is something, again, another thing that I've live tweeted in the past, much to the chagrin of my followers, is I live tweeted. Except me, I love it. I live tweeted all the WrestleManias. So good. And as part of the live tweeting experience, I did a count of each WrestleMania of the dead wrestlers. How many guys are dead? So I'm just going to go and look at this. Well, do you want to start? I can get, we can get started. Go for it. So SummerSlam 90. So we, we right out of the gate, it's Hercules in the opening match. Rockers, uh, Power and Glory. Hercules as dead um we got um we got uh rick rude in the main event and warrior both died warrior last year um we got earthquake dino bravo randy savage now dusty Rhodes, um bad news brown um crush um yeah, sensational crush cherry sweet sapphire texas tornado mr perfect that's a lot of dudes. There's a lot. I've got the uh, and and ladies. I've got the card up here on yeah. screen, so I'm just going to count them up. So we got Boss Man was there. We got one, two, three, four, five, six. Wow, yeah. Six. Uh, hold on here. Seven, eight, nine, ten. If you count someone in the corner, eleven, twelve. Yeah, twelve people on this card. There are. I remember um, back in. I think it was probably in the '90s when we would watch wrestling tapes. And I, I forget what match it was, but there was a match, and we called it like the dead guys match because yeah. both guys in the match were dead, and that was like a big deal. Now, I remember it was WrestleMania Seven, and it was Texas Tornado against Dino Bravo. It was like both these guys are dead. Wow, I can't believe it. Now it's like there are four matches on this card where it. both guys are dead. Just pick it. <clears throat> Tornado against Perfect, they're both dead. Queen Sherry against Sapphire, they're both dead. Uh, Savage against Rhodes, they're both dead, and Warrior and Rick Rude, yeah, the main nuts. event. They're, they're, they're both dead. And again, like these guys were all in their like twenties at the time that, you yeah, know, some yeah. of them were older. In Dusty 30s, was a bit yeah. older. Yeah, Dusty but, was older. You know, when Macho Man was in his thirties, but we're not talking about because, you know, they're, they got to their seventies or eighties and, yeah, and like Dusty away. did. Like Dusty almost got to his seventies. You wouldn't say Dusty Rhodes died, you know, prematurely, you know, I, but maybe not about, you know, because of, you know, the, 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 you know, the, what it was, what you had to do to be a wrestler, you know. <laughs> I mean, Dusty's gimmick uh, had nothing to do with a with a cut physique, <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a shame. And you brought up WrestleMania six; it's the same kind of thing. Yeah, we're just I'm looking at that one as well. We got Andre, we got uh, Earthquake, we got Hercules, we got Mister Perfect, we got Bad News Brown, we got uh, let's see, Dusty, Sapphire, Savage, Sherry, Dino Bravo, um, Big Boss Man, Akeem. Rick Rude. Is Akeem dead? Is he dead? Maybe no. he's not. Maybe Akeem's not dead. No, Sorry. Akeem's not dead. I, was, I knew I was going to miss it at some point. Rick Warrior. Rude is dead. Rick Rude and Warrior. And Warrior. So again, just like... Tons. And this is not... You you know, yes, time marches on. P- these guys are all going to die, but these guys are dying at, at, at 40, 45. You know, just ridiculous. It is. It's just a crazy... Uh, it's a crazy list. And I mean, and the reasons for a lot of them, like there's a couple in here where it's like, well, not many, but like Kerry Von Erich killed himself, for example, right? Yeah. Most of these, though, it's heart attacks. Oh, yeah. It's heart oh, attacks yeah. or it's some steroid-related reason, right? Yep. You've, you've buffed yourself up way too big for, for yep. your body for many years. Plus, you're, you're popping pills and you're hurting yourself oh. on the road. And, yep. and, oh, yeah. uh, and I mean, honestly, 80s and 90s, so much cocaine, so oh, much crack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, 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 and the, uh, and the just being on the road. Like these guys were, you know, every the, the the grind had to be ridiculous. Like they put these guys through. They were running triple, 
you know, three shows uh, a day, you know, guys, they had three cards going, you know, and then they, they, they go to the next venue and the next night and going again and again. And yeah, I've always found that to be a, um, just a kind of a sad, these kind of things are a sad byproduct of, of what I find to be a fantastic form of entertainment. So do I. Yeah. But it's just, it's, 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 it's hard to, uh, oh, and Liz too. I forgot Liz here at WrestleMania six. The whole Uh, angle, Dusty and Sherry and Sapphire and, and Macho Man, all like, oh, everybody's gone. together. All of them are, are gone. Yeah. All Dusty, th- Dusty's the last one to go. I loved that angle, by the way. It was a great feud because it was two just absolute, um, you know, incredible characters and, you know, uh, incredible professional wrestlers. Um, you know, say what you want. Yes. Randy Savage was quite a bit better wrestler than Dusty Rhodes, but Dusty Rhodes had a, had a whole package really. And so did Randy Savage. I love that. I'm going to just say a little, just, just, I'm going to veer off a little bit. And it's not quite about Dusty, but it, you know, Dusty's a part of it. I think my favorite promo of all time is Savage after WrestleMania six. They lose to Dusty and Sapphire because Miss Elizabeth interferes and pulls Queen Sherry's hair and throws her into a, into a schoolboy roll up by Sapphire, which is terrible that Sapphire got the pin in that match. They go to the locker room at the back and Macho does the promo where he, as after Dusty and uh, and Sapphire and Elizabeth dance around in the ring <laughs> to American Dream, you know, terrible dancing and people are just into it. Savage is just irate and Savage does the whole, you better pick up the phone and call somebody. Oh, that's right. And then he says something to the effect of, and I don't have this right, but he says something like, Dusty Rhodes, you, you didn't have my full attention before, but mind games are my thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then he just goes off on how, you know, uh, how Dusty Rhodes, uh, you know, kind of awakened him. And of course, what would happen is, is that, you know, Savage ends up winning that feud. He does. He, he, you know, he, DiBiase buys off Sapphire and, and, uh, a distracted Dusty Rhodes loses to Savage at SummerSlam 90. And, uh, you know, Dusty uh, would have a few more months and then he'd be gone back to, uh, back to, to, uh, well, I guess at the time, was it still NWA? I think so. He went back to, I don't This is it. It is down to a matter of hours so the action takes place at the Garden. It starts at 8 p.m. tonight. And what an evening it is going to be. The Steel Cage match featuring Roddy Roddy Piper facing Ravishing Rick Rude. Also, Dusty Rhodes. He faces the Macho King, Randy Savage. I'm not shut up! Shut up right now! No, no you're the one no, that slapped that I came in and I looked like an idiot! Shut up! Shut up right now! I'm telling you Shut up! You American dream, Dusty Rhodes. This will never happen again, though. Because I'm going to take you in a little package here. And I'm gonna make a real, real surprise out of you! Cause you're a real, real person, yeah! About that call! You and your sapphire! You tell me something right now! You can make Jesus up all in one night. Just Savage. Savage going nuts and Sherry screaming in the background on Dusty so Rhodes. So good. You know what? That was a really, really good combination. But enough about the Macho Man, the Macho King. We'll get into that another day. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that, that, that could be a whole podcast. Uh, you know, it's sad to hear about Dusty Rhodes. And, uh, you know, like I said, I said earlier, uh, yesterday, you know, RIP in peace to the Midnight Rider. <laughs> um, I guess one last thing before we wrap it up. Okay. We'll get, we'll get, I want to get back to something, one more topic of discussion sure. for the week. Yep. Just to get a take on it. Good. So if you don't live in the city of Winnipeg, you, if you're in Canada though, you've heard of our famous intersection, which is Portage and Maine. Mm-hmm. The windiest intersection. I don't know if they call it the busiest. It's not the busiest, but no. they call it the windiest, you know, whatever. And for many years now, 
they have blocked off the street from people crossing uh, pedestrians. As long as I can remember. Yeah. So there's an underground mall. Yeah. And to cross Portage and Maine, you go through the underground mall. Yeah. As opposed to waiting for the light to turn green and walking across the street. Yeah. There's a campaign on now to allow for pedestrians to cross at the street at Portage and Maine. And there was a comment that was made this week. I don't know who made it. Do you know who made the comment? It was, was it a city council? Yeah, it was Jenny Gerbassi. Okay. Said that <laughs> blocking off people from crossing at Portage and Maine is, it's well, basically, it to the Berlin Wall. it's the Berlin Wall is, is <laughs> what, is, is what they were. So I was just thinking of things that like, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to take, I'm trying to try to take this comment seriously and be like, okay, let's, let's, let's do some comparisons between Portage and Maine and, and the Berlin Wall. <laughs> I was just thinking about this to myself. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, one of them actually imprisoned people into a city and separated them from family, family members, and friends, yeah. jobs, a way of life. <laughs> the other one is that you can't cross the street of Portage and Maine. <laughs> Uh, one of them was a symbol of the divide between two parts of the world that could have eventually gone to war. Yep. And obliterated all of humankind. Yep. The other one is this intersection where you can't cross <laughs> on the street. You know, you yeah. have to go in, you have to, you have to, you have to go into an underground mall to, 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 you know, to, to, to get across, you know. One of them people died. Trying to escape or trying to to get through. Oh, yeah, I was shot. They were shot. You know, uh, trying trying to escape whatever oppression was was you know was there. Yep. The other one is uh, it's an intersection in a, in a first yeah, world city. I, I, I don't I don't understand. I think you understand where I'm going here. Yeah, I don't get the comment. Um, I think it was the, stupid. The, if we tear this thing down and let people cross, the scorpions aren't writing a song about it. Exactly. That's you that's know? absolutely right. <laughs> Um, it, it shows the level of discourse in the city. It shows that people care about stupid shit. Does it really matter? Um, poor Jermaine is whatever, eight lanes of traffic. Is it a big deal? I, I guess it's a big deal to some people. Um, my comment was, you know, let's, if you're going to use, if you're going to allude to the Berlin Wall. Um, I don't know. You know, use it to, for something that actually matters, like an actual thing where, like for me, the Berlin Wall in Winnipeg on a very lower level than the Berlin Wall actually was, would be like the CPR rail yard, the CP rail yards. Dividing a city, two different worlds, the North End and the, and, 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 and downtown and South End. And, uh, you know, to call Portage in Maine, uh, like a Berlin Wall has to be one of the probably stupider comments that I've heard from an elected official. And there's been a lot of them. Oh yeah. And, and that's one of the, that's one of the worst ones. I felt someone like, I thought, you know, Jenny Urbassi might know better, but then again, it's Jenny Urbassi. You know, it's kind of her thing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I think on that note, we've talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. So yes. we're, we're going to give everyone a break at this point. Yeah. Uh, I think, but, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed yourselves and enjoyed the discussion and, uh, we're going to try to do this weekly, I think, is, is, is the goal here. We'll give it a shot. We're going to give it a shot and, and, and see what we can do. And again, also very hopeful that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll try to bring in some, some guests to kind of 
to kind of give some uh, sober second thought to our ridiculous comments and uh, yeah, I think con- so. contribute to the discussion. I'm sure that there are some of you out there that'd be interested. Some whoever wants to come, just hit us up. We'll uh, we'll, we'll gladly invite you. You can come to the uh, the beautiful Osborne Village and uh, enjoy the view and uh, marvel at all the all the DVDs and and and, and records and 45s and oh my gosh, all sorts of shit like a sitting palace here inside the it. studio. Yeah, it's fantastic. So thank you for so, listening. And and if the if you want to communicate with us, we are, we're of course on the old twit twets, the yes, old Twitter. Yes, I'm, I'm going to be I'm going to once we once this is up, it will be it will be launched. Uh, like we said, Meza Nine Sleepover. Uh, and, uh, we, uh, we might have a little blog up to put some additional, uh, things to kind of, uh, supplement some of the things we talk about. And, uh, we'll have all that information if you just go find us on Twitter. Thanks, folks. Later. Thanks for sticking with us. And yeah, we'll see you later. Take it easy. center move. Watch this. There's no Ralph the Teddy to save you now, super sexy. That's right. Oh my!